This episode of the Nerdball Podcast is sponsored by Jake Paluski at Real JP Multimedia. He does the music for this podcast. He has produced this podcast. If you need anything audiovisual done, he is the man to see at realjp.com, R-E-E-L-J-P.com. Let's start the show. This is Jake Paluski, and you're listening to and watching the Nerdball Podcast. is the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. All right, Jake, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, do you ever take your hat off? People want to know. Um, yeah, I did a little bit ago to shower. <laughs> so um, you even wear it, you wear it just in your house, just to be in your house. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah? Oh, that's crazy to me. I mean, I, I used to wear a lot of hats, but I would take them off in my house. I think the biggest thing is that it took me uh, many years to find hats that fit. So now yeah. that I finally found them, I, I embrace them. <laughs> hey, all those years of not having a good hat. I'm just going to yeah. wear it now. Yeah. yeah it's, it's become a part of me now. <laughs> um, so the, the, the first part of this episode is all episodes is what is something you've been nerding out about something that uh, you've been really into lately uh, I know your life revolves around your music and video and stuff, but is there something besides that, that you, uh, because that's the premise of this question. It can't be your job. So, so what's, what's to get away from that? What's something you're really into? I mean, everyone already knows that I'm really into pro wrestling, but, um, I am obsessed with, um, there's a couple different channels on YouTube that, uh, yeah, it becomes a rabbit hole. Like they're, they'll just, they make, I think it's called uh what culture because they do a bunch of stuff about film and video games and stuff too, but they do a what culture wrestling. Okay. And so they um, will just do like these 10 to 15 minute videos on like the top 10 bloopers of the 1990s wrestling or something. It's just like random stuff like that. And so those are usually my little escape escapism kind of things. Like in the morning when I'm having my banana, before i go <laughs> to the wreck and whatever so it's uh those those for sure because then but that becomes you know all of a sudden um you know i end up watching somebody make a uh random dish <laughs> that like yeah i'm never gonna make <laughs> well i would imagine like you you turn this on like all right i just need like 10 15 minutes and you're like and then you're like wait it's two hours two hours went by <laughs> I mean, I wish, I wish I loved myself to do two hours sometimes, but I mean, I'm thinking it's going to be like three minutes and it ends up being closer to an hour. So for sure it's the same concept. Uh, so do you, have you ever, cause I talked to my old host a few episodes ago, Andrew Massey, and he talked about collecting figurines and that kind of stuff with wrestling. Were you ever into that? Like collecting the, any collectibles or anything? Yeah. I mean, when I was a little kid, um, I mean, they weren't collectibles, they were my actual toys, but, yeah. um, by, but I would say, Oh, I think I was probably 13, 14 years old. I started asking for, um, so I think it was W well, it's WWF at the time, mm -hmm. uh, but WWE, they had a whole new like action figure line, um, that they signed some deal with, uh, I think it was Jack specific. Maybe it was the brand and they, put out a whole series in 96, 97, 98. Um, and so I did whatever I could to try to collect all of them. That's what I asked for Christmas, for birthday, for anything. And my my brother and sister, my parents are just like, 
why does our middle school child want toys? Yeah. And I was like, they're not toys, they're figures. And I'm not <laughs> going to play with them. They're like, so then what are you going to do with them? And I was like, display them. Yeah. <laughs> and probably had like 30 or 40 of them. So I mean, oh, that's really? Not, it's not many compared to like, you know, actual collectors, but I mean, I still, they're somewhere. I think they might be in our garage. <laughs> I was just going to ask you if you still had them. Yeah. They, yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't know if any of them are worth anything since they're all open. Um, Cause that was the big thing too, that annoyed my brother. Cause I mean, I'm the youngest of three and my brother would collect baseball cards, but he would put them in cases and he would yeah. some stuff like, you know, you just don't open. And he's like, so wait, you're not going to even leave these in the casing. You're not going to play with them. You're just collecting them, but you're going to open them. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want to just like display them in their boxes. Then it'll just look like a retail shelf in the yeah. house. But I don't know what I was doing. They might be worth something. Who knows? Otherwise, I'll gift them to somebody. <laughs> well, I talked to when I talked to Andrew, he he was the same thing. Like he he takes everything out of the boxes. He goes, what's the point of, of holding it in these boxes when like, yeah, I don't play with them because I'm older now, but I, I can see them. And I, and I, you know, if I can pick one up if I want to. And he goes and I asked if he kept the boxes. He goes only for a few things. But for the most part, he gets rid of the boxes and just just has these figurines. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's. I think that was my thinking when I was 13. That was a while ago. So, yeah. but I imagine that's what I was thinking. Sure. Now, uh, in your uh, adult life, you have a, a home. What are the, what? I think I know the answer, but what are the chances those ever find a place where you can display them? I, uh, no, they won't happen. <laughs> and, that's not, and that's not, that's not because of me or my wife. It's yeah. because we truly have like tried to do like less of everything. I mean, it's okay. uh, cause she's, she's really good at like picking up stuff to decorate the house and make it more homey. I yeah. don't think 30 action figures would make it more homey by any Well, maybe means. not 30, maybe you find like <laughs> two or three that are like, man, these are the, the, my favorite ones. And you just stick them up, you know, in well, your studio or something. Right. The two action figures that I do have out in my studio are the ones that were from our wedding cake, and that's Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth. Okay, yeah. that, that was our cake topper at our wedding. So those are on display in the studio. Other than that, the rest of them, as soon as I find them, yeah. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna probably go elsewhere, whether I sell them or give them away. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, that's that's always a, a tough thing to try to like. I mean, you can see behind me all my sports junk. You know, yeah. but but it's in the basement. It doesn't hardly ever get seen. Be, besides uh, these YouTube videos, and whenever I don't know when the kids are down here with friends or something. Um, but even me, like I have all this stuff displayed. Very seldom am I do I go up to it and just like look at it. You know, because I mean I know what's there, but I can uh, like I think the the one time that'll happen is when I take it down and I'm putting stuff in boxes and giving it to Mateo or Lillian or whoever wants it. Otherwise, it just sits up there. So it's not like a, Hey, today is, you know, March 20th. It's been three weeks since I touched the Wheaties box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't, haven't done that in a while. No. There, there is a bunch of cool stuff. It's just, you know, it just sits up there though. So I, yeah. I would, so I'd imagine it'd be the same thing, except like I said, this is invisible. I would admit it'd be a whole different story if there was some stuff upstairs, you know? Yeah. And I guess I think it'd be different too. Like if I, um, cause so much like my studio, I mean, is full of gear that I use that I have. I mean, there's so much of it anyway that there's really no room for anything else. And uh, even that is hard sometimes to find places for everything. So yeah. like, I guess it's different, um, you know, cause this, I work so much of the work I do is from home. 
so I need that space. I suppose like there's a lot of people that, you know, when they leave their job, they come home, nothing comes with them from their job. And a lot of people do have dedicated spaces for collectibles and stuff, which makes so much more sense because they don't have to work from home. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of all your music and stuff, you're, you are fresh off your album, album, uh, debut, I guess, or what album release, uh, for your new album, um, something about uh a stone unturned um uh, something about a river possibly uh, a tape unraveled a tape unraveled okay and then a bell unrung got it okay um i feel like a, a horrible family member uh at the very least i should have had the cd down here to look at <laughs> hey, i didn't anticipate it saying it so I mean, so so be, before before i ask you questions about it i do want to say um i've never been to an album release party so i didn't know what to expect it was it was really cool uh at the second floor of levi lilac and mommy um i never even been to there been there before so so be, before the music we ate dinner which was awesome i never eaten there so that was cool but how you have the whole setup i before you even said it i thought man this feels like an mtv unplugged um because that's how it felt to me and then you mentioned that too um but it was real cool place real cool venue obviously the music was awesome there was a bunch of musicians there um and it was so awesome that you're gonna do two more shows which we can we can talk about that too um i don't know if i know you've been getting a lot of emails so we'll we'll we can talk about it if there's tickets available and stuff still but yeah uh as just a a, a fan of you and listening to it it, it was an awesome experience and it was a, i'm glad i was able to be there um to to experience it because it was it was a cool thing and, and something that uh very few people will be will ever be able to say like hey i was at this album release party and it was it was a cool thing but i know there's a lot of work into it so so before that night leading leading up to it uh first of all how'd you how'd you say this is where i want to do it how'd you pick levi and Lila? um good question uh because there was a lot of names that got tossed around or how we were going to do a release, um, party. I mean, party slash concert, you know? So I, uh, um, I mean, naturally the first one, when I was creating the album, the only place I was playing at when I was creating the album was Cinco de Mayo. Cause I started creating, writing the album in 2020. And at the time they were the only ones having music. And obviously at, the, at that time, we, I mean, a live concert wasn't even really, I mean, there was no real concept behind it at that point. We was just yeah. kind of like, I know I want to do a release show somewhere, but at the time, the only options we had were to do outside. And I was like, well, it ain't going to be ready this year. I mean, because this is, I just started writing it in 2020. And so we figured at the earliest we'd be able to do anything would be the spring or summer of 2021. Um, and at that point, I'd been playing at Levine Lilacs on Mondays for their Whiskey Monday nights. And um, and even then, the, the hard part was just like, you know, where, where do you have something like that? Because Village Idiot is wonderful. And I play there, you know, once a month and there'd be a great crowd, except that's not really a place that you can. We wanted to have more of like a listening experience, listening show, just like you had said, uh, the MTV Unplugged vibe. Um, there's a place up in Ann Arbor that we love called The Ark that has shows like that all the yeah. time. And so we wanted to create that kind of vibe. But the problem is just like, Village Idiot's not that vibe. Village Idiot's wonderful, but Village Idiot has more of that like rock and roll kind of participation. Almost yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
you know, we love them, but we're like, can't do it there. The, I mean, even the owner said, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be able to pull it off there. Um, well, we're just being at it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, there's no way it would have been, it would happen there. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, and that's, we knew we wanted some kind of intimate thing. And, and, and even with like Cinco de Mayo, we said, I mean, it'd be cool if it was outside and we did it on the patio. Um, but then again, I mean, on a patio, if you have something like that going on, you still, there's still a parking lot right next there. Yeah. And, and, there and there's railroad tracks. And almost every time I play out <laughs> on the patio, a train goes by and I'm like, that's super fun when you can make light of it and play a train song. But like, when you're trying to like do an actual intimate concert, that could be all sorts of weird. And so, mm-hmm. and obviously inside there wouldn't work. So we're just like tossing around ideas. So Megan and Sean, the owners of Levi and Lilacs, like we were sitting down. Um, Cause I mean, by this point, it was getting late last summer of 2021 where we really started. I mean, I was almost wrapping up the album and we were just talking like, you know, maybe early fall, but I don't think it's going to be ready. So probably late fall, but then we're also like, got to remember it was just this past June that masks came off in restaurants because mm-hmm. up to that point, we we're all wearing masks. And like, I don't, I don't, I mean, nobody felt comfortable putting a bunch of people into a small room yeah. either. Um, so there was a lot of things that had to change. And I said, the closer we got to winter, winter even before covid uh is always the time of the year that everybody gets sick and so we're just like uh i don't feel comfortable putting something together inside november december january even february and so sean said to me he's like well you know i mean it's going to be spring before you can even do it then like march at the earliest and i said yeah but i think march would be be a lot better he's like you want to wait that long i said people are occupied in december they got christmas they got holidays they got all sorts of stuff it was like so rather get lost in the shuffle with all that kind of stuff i'm like we can breathe a little bit put a little more time and thought into it um so then luckily they were talking about maybe closing down their restaurant and doing the concert somewhere on the first floor um but logistically still we didn't know where i mean because i was like well he's like you know we could we could close off the restaurant just put single seating and we could probably put 50 people in there and i said but I'm putting a nine piece band together. He's like nine piece. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and Levi Lilac is, I mean, it looks like an old home. It's very segmented, right? I mean, it was right. like a, a, a hotel or whatever at one point. So it's very segmented. So it'd be hard to yep. have something on the first floor. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, every room in there, you can't put more than like 30, 40 people yeah. in there. And, um, and I didn't want to have just some people like sitting and listening. And it's not like you can knock out a supporting wall because it's a supporting wall from the 1800s. And it's yeah. all for, <laughs> so I can't do that. <laughs> so, um, so then the option was, he's like, well, you know, we could always rent out the second floor. The second floor uh, has been vacant for years. Um, they used to like the landlords, there used to rent it out for private events and stuff. And um, even small weddings. I think it's like a hundred and, 10 120 capacity up there for events and we could just rent that out for, for, for you for the night and you know that'd be our gift to you and i was like no i mean like we can figure out this we're gonna have tickets that we're gonna sell we'll we'll, yeah. we'll 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 make sure that you're taken care of and that we at least break even on it and so um i said obviously if they're gonna charge you like 500 to rent it out there's no i, I mean i'm not into that so <laughs> so Cause I was like, I want to at least break even. I don't want to spend money just to put this thing on. And, yeah. um, and so sure enough, like he's like, all right, well, let's go ahead and plan on that. And, um, and then through the process of planning, I mean, I started really like once we decided we were going up there, which was probably November, December, we figured out, you know, let's set a date. 
So I think we set a date by middle of December. Said, all right, March 8th. And still people are just like, that's that's really far away. And I said, it's not far away. It'll be here. And then you wish it was another three months away when it comes to planning that stuff. So what was was it, uh was March 8th just like a an arbitrary date, or or was it like I want this date for a specific reason? We had um about six dates that I sent out. Because okay. that's the thing too, like with a nine piece band, mm-hmm. uh, out of that band, I think seven of us are all career musicians. So we all have gigs in other bands and other projects. So, and we were shooting for a Tuesday or a Wednesday because logistically um, that's, that's like two of their slower nights at Levi and Lionx. And yeah. when you have a parking lot, parking lot doesn't matter if it's busy, <laughs> like on a weekend. So then you wouldn't have anywhere to park. Yeah. And Plus then our, um, our guests and everything could go and like you said, you could eat before or after. And we just wanted to make logistically the best possible experience. And all of us career musicians, a lot of times are off on a Tuesday or Wednesday where we gig, you know, Thursday through Sunday. So, mm-hmm. um, so it just worked out. Everybody was like March 8th seemed to be the common denominator, like the common date that everybody could actually make happen. So when we did, it was great. And I think by, the end of December, early January, all of a sudden, Sean and Megan said that they were going to take over the second floor, uh, acquire that for, for a year, um, just to maybe host events there, this being the one to kick it off. So certainly after, um, I mean, with all the weddings and stuff I've done, all the events that I've worked uh, in bands and stuff, it was, it was nice having that knowledge because it made the process, like the little things you think of to make sure that everything flows. I wouldn't have had that knowledge without all that experience, like doing weddings and stuff. Well, well you can tell when, when I was there, um, first of all, you can tell that the, like it wasn't planned um, overnight or even a month out. Like you, you could tell this is the place I'm going to do it. And, and here's how we're going to do it. Cause everything was like taken care of. There wasn't for just on, on my eye. And it's the same for when you're actually getting married, when the people getting married, you don't know you, you're, you're going to know the things that go wrong because you're the in charge of it, but your guests aren't. And that was, a, that was the same thing. Um, for me at this thing at, at your album release, like, like if there was issues, I didn't know about it. Like it was so, everything was so good. Uh, everything sounded good. Even the way you guys did a bar with the two tickets go up there. Here's, here's a, uh, you can pick from selected drinks you know, that even that was a good idea, like to have all these plans and all these thoughts, like it was well thought of, which when people showed up, all they had to worry about was like, I'm going to get my drink and I'm going to sit and listen to this music. And, yeah. and it was all, it was so well thought out. That's how, that, that was all people had to think about. So it made it a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Cause that's, that was me sitting down and making a list. Uh, Amanda helped me make a list of things just like that. You, like I said, you normally wouldn't think of. I mean, you think you're having an album release show, you just invite friends and you make sure the band's there and you play music. There's a lot more that goes into it to make yeah. it logistically make sense. And so um, so that was great. I mean, like I had a great team of people to help do it. Um, and obviously, um, you know, a lot of help setting it up. And th- what really made it nice is that up until they took over that second floor, we just assumed we were going to have about two days to throw that all together in that room. And oh. so because they took it over, we ended up getting about a week to put that all together. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. 
Because that's yeah. like, like uh, companies that set up for weddings, they usually only have 24 to 48 hours to set up and tear down. So that's kind of what our thinking was. And um, luckily we had a week to do it. <laughs> set up, yeah, so that was yeah. Cause then all those things that go wrong, like, Oh, this thing, this chair broke, or this thing is a little bit, it was supposed to be here today. It's not going to show up until tomorrow. You know, all that stuff made it a little bit easier because I, I know you were probably nervous uh, the day of and leading up to it. What, the day of what were you most nervous about because like i said i'm sure you were nervous but but what was affecting it the most um i think it was just a matter of uh it was just taking care of all the little tiny last minute logistic things i mean i i had a big long list of everything so i knew everything i had to get done i wasn't i didn't even have time to be nervous about performing or anything um because it was more so am i going to be able to get all the stuff done in time um you know, I mean, part of the nerve nervousness was that we, as a full band, only had one rehearsal for this mm -hmm. show. So, I mean, it's not like we put hours and hours and hours of rehearsal into it. I sent out the songs weeks in advance um, and I wrote out all the notes and everything. Yeah. So th that was another thing. I didn't know you wrote the music for everybody, which, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. which is amazing to me. Cause I mean, I, I mean, maybe it's not amazing. I don't know, but I, I do want to tell you like for me to hear that, I'm like, Oh my God, that's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, that's, we were, we were all kind of like talked about it after the fact. And a lot of those guys that play in, in the band, I mean, little bits and pieces were improvised um, naturally, but uh, they all had parts that were kind of written out and we discussed in advance um, just because that's the difference between like what makes, a good orchestra versus like a band of guys just jamming like it's you can jam and it can be fun but like depending on the certain style of music that wouldn't really work for those songs and those songs very much even you listen to the album there's it goes in and out very similar to that of like classical music versus you know just a rock band that's playing a bunch of noise together you know so it's uh that was fun for them because even our our drummer for it he was just like this was really neat. He's like, I got to do less, but when I did something, it meant so much more because oh, that's yeah. the nice thing about written parts and everything. So, but yeah, so I mean, the, the day of like nervousness wise, I mean, I think part of it was, am I going to have enough time to get everything done? Uh, am I going to have time to feed these guys? Cause I want to take care. I mean, that's a big like team builder kind of thing is that yeah. I would, at the rehearsal and at the night of, you know, if I'm asking them for their time, I want to make sure that, you know, they're taken care of as far as like do you have something to eat before we play do you have you know i have gatorade and beer and whatever for everybody just to make sure that everybody was comfortable because i said if you're not comfortable and you're not having fun then there's no point of any of this so yeah <laughs> so that that was I think, yeah that was like where the nerves came from i kept like just looking at the clock and i was just running around all day and so like when it was finally time for the like 6 15 is when we opened the door for people to come up to that second floor by that point, I could finally breathe, which was nice because then it gave me about 45 minutes to kind of chill before <laughs> we went up and performed. So, yeah. Well, I would imagine the the performance is the easy part, right? I mean, that's what you all of you been doing for your whole lives. So why why would that be difficult? That that's the part you look forward to, and that's the part you're like, okay, this is what we've been working for. This is this is easy. Let's go. Let's play. Yeah, I mean, even that was still a little nervous because I, I kind of joked about it that night where I'm like you dream of that moment where you're playing your own music in front of a ten of crowd mm -hmm. uh and everyone's locked in it's like but then all of a sudden it happens and <laughs> and you're like deer in the headlights because you're like 
oh, I'm used to people just talking and they may or may not get into a song that I'm yeah. playing. It's like now everyone is just like locked in. And so, and again, I mean, with only one rehearsal under our belts, I was just like, there's a lot of pressure on all these guys right now. Yeah. So, but that's, I mean, I think, I think pressure is good because I think, I mean, you perform better typically. So. Yeah. yeah and I, uh, I was the MC for that event and I wanted to, I you wanted to help, by the way. Well, thank you. I, I wanted to help more because I know you had a, stuff going on and people were helping you set up and do all that kind of stuff. But I was really just waiting for you because I had no information. Like, like, what do you want me to say? So I, I'd want, I wanted to be like, Hey, just let me do it. Uh, but I couldn't because <laughs> I don't know the information you want, you know? Uh, also, I also felt, um, uh, I didn't want to like bother you to be like, Hey, are you going to get this to me? Are you going to get this to me? Are you going to get this to me? Like when's this <laughs> happening? You know, cause I want to practice too. Um, but it, it worked out okay. But I felt like I felt, uh, helpless. Cause I was like, I want to help him more, but I can't. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think it's, I mean, it worked out well. You gave me your, your bullet points and stuff you wanted and everything was okay, which I hadn't, uh, I didn't, uh, I mean, I talk in front of people all the time and stuff, but, um, to me, it was super important to like do exactly what I needed to do. And, and, and I mean, I was up until I went on stage, I was in the back corner by the elevator, just like going through it, going through it, going through it. Cause I also don't like looking at notes when I, yeah. you know, when I want to do stuff. So I just kept trying to memorize it, but, but I think it went really well and, and it was, uh, it was cool to be a part of it. So thanks for, you know, asking me to do it. Well, yeah, you did, you did wonderful. And that's, I mean, I, I had all sorts of compliments about you doing that and they were like, like a number of people said, what a, what a great idea to have Lorenzo kick it off to like, cause you know, we didn't, like I told you, I was like, I don't want to be rock stars and just hide the whole time until it was time to come out. Like <laughs> I, I greeted people as they came up, yeah. you know, and then, but I said, but for the sake of the camera, it'd still be cool to make like an actual entrance. And it was nice, you know, rather than me getting out and talking and setting boundaries and rules and all that kind of stuff. Like it was nice cause you do it so well and you add the, the comic relief and my mom said she's like but you know what it was also nice because here's a guy with a commanding presence uh like yourself saying all this stuff so it's not like you know i'm like yeah that's true because i'm like who's gonna mess with lorenzo if they get out of line <laughs> well it, it almost was and, and and if i'm able to do it again if timing works for me uh the the part about me like hey it's listening experience make sure you're not hooting and hollering all that stuff it almost was too like they almost followed the rules too much because right. I think, I think what I'm going to say next time is like hoot and holler, all that stuff uh, in between songs, because, because right. like, after your first song, people were just like clapped and stuff. And, and I'm a mind. Oh like, yeah. It was like, it was, it was like, we got a hole in one. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like too much. Like they, they listened very well, you know? Yeah. And so I think when, when it, that thing, you know, when I do say it again, like it's okay to be raucous in between. Like that's when you want it, uh, just sure. like during stuff. So, so it, it worked out, like you said, like, who's going to, who's going to be like, Oh, this guy told us not to do this stuff. So we're going to listen, you know, <laughs> also, great. yeah. Also another thing, which was very cool. I've very rarely, if ever, have I been somewhere, a play, a music performance, a, a sporting event, any of that stuff. I looked around like maybe, maybe like three or four songs in, I turned to Andrea, I go, Andrea, there is not one phone out right now not one taking video audio any of that stuff oh i gotta plug my computer in i just realized that <laughs> um and it was it was so cool to see everyone just listening and not worry about capturing something on film yeah well that was that was kind of our thing too and i know people will announce that at like weddings and stuff because they're like 
you know, at weddings, they'll be like, we paid good money for a photographer and videographer. Like, but people still do it and they still do it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to grab my plug real quick. You're fine. I normally don't do two podcasts in one day, but I'm uh I'm out of town, so I had to next week, so I had to squeeze another one in. But yeah, it, it was it was like I said, it was such a cool thing to see. And it was it was all those people that you know that loved you and wanted to be there. So they're gonna just like again follow rules. They're gonna be there to, to watch this thing. And it was it was really cool. Yeah. And I think I mean that's just one of those things too that a lot of people said I've never experienced anything like that before. And I said, that's a huge part of it, you know. Yeah. It was uh very in the moment <laughs> yeah yeah what uh if you had to i think leading up to it let's say let's it's two two separate instances leading up to it what was your favorite part um leading up to the day not in, not counting the day but leading up to it uh i mean for sure like i love the concept like of putting together like something brand new i mean you're i mean because we that that whole second floor is just a big empty like old school wedding hall yeah and with the lights on and no floor plan i mean it looks it's fun looks a little dated but i mean it's it's uh you have to you have to really think outside the box to make something out of it um and so it was really fun coming up with a floor plan like with the seating arrangement it was a lot of fun building the light truss um that hung all of our lights um because when we started getting those steps in place, all of a sudden, what was in my head started actually coming into reality. And that was like the really fun part is actually putting all those little pieces together and seeing it come into looking like a venue, like an actual concert venue that before it was just an empty room. And so that, I mean, that part's always been fascinating to me because I would, when I would go to um, like pro wrestling events as a kid, uh, I was always fascinated with seeing that i would go like maybe i would see that same arena but with with a hockey game going on mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden i walk in and it looks like the monday night wrestling show like that yeah. so, and i'm just fascinated by how you can do that <laughs> to a the, space and, there's awesome time-lapse videos of the flip arounds of arenas that are yeah. so cool yeah. yeah like when they do uh like the halftime shows at super bowl is just fascinating because they do that so quick yeah and that's it's crazy to me and so that part to me is like really exciting so like that's and like i clearly i was excited about the music and all that stuff mm -hmm. but like it's it was even more fun uh because the music was already done so now yeah we and, and well the music is something you do all the time and, and this is like a right. special thing where like yeah it's it, it probably sucks and and setting up lights and stuff but you know ultimately like it's transform we're transforming something here yeah yeah i mean it was a complete diy kind of thing which um that that's like <laughs> i think that's the coolest part about it. it's like we knew what venue we wanted it just didn't exist so we had to yeah. make it <laughs> you know <laughs> that which is which is another awesome thing like like i have this this vision you know this vision in my mind and and i'm also making it happen we're making this thing happen you know yeah and that was <laughs> and that was that was probably the neatest part about it i was just like yeah. i mean the album is cool and all but it's like then we had to build this other thing to make the album feel even better for everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. 
and, uh, and the day of uh when you look back on that day or maybe it was later that night or, or the next day like what what stands out the most um i don't know i mean it was all pretty overwhelming uh like from the very first song like just playing that and like have it i mean we rehearsed that saturday before and amanda my wife was in the front row at the rehearsal um she came and helped along um so like i said we got lunch for the, everybody and stuff and you know anybody that was going to be a part of the show we just said you know if you want to be here to see you know kind of like what's happening the flow of everything um so that that saturday like we i mean these were the first time we were playing these songs as a full band up until that point it had just been me recording them in the studio and so from the first song we hit at the rehearsal it was just like goosebumps kind of thing because i've heard them a hundred times in the studio mixing it and everything and then you hear full nine piece band playing it live and it was just like oh this is cool and so we knew it was going to be cool after we had the rehearsal but like you can only envision people and their reactions and then when the actual reactions came from the very first song the golf claps after the first song and then <laughs> they, they got they got more amped up and there were certain moments that i had chills um at rehearsal that i was just like i can't wait till these moments happen and we're in a room yeah. full of people uh because if i got chills in an empty room it's gonna be really cool when it's full of people and so just like there was little moments like that throughout the night where i was just like not only was it cool that people were really into it but it was cool that i could look around and i said i know every single one of these people yeah. it wasn't like a room full of strangers it's i mean that was a great community and network that we built over the past you know many years but especially the last two years when we all felt gutted yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know you kind of rebuild and that was i think the neatest part and then seeing so many people that you know when you think a year beforehand we couldn't even think of doing anything like that you know mm -hmm. so that was just neat seeing the progress and like also just going man i can't believe this whole process started two years ago yeah well i you uh i would imagine there's there's similar feelings when i would when i did stand-up comedy i would write jokes and t tell them and in my head i'm like ooh, they're gonna really like that one and then you tell it and it's it's okay or they don't like it but they like this other one that you thought was a throwaway <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine there's some similar feelings to when you're playing music, you, you probably have like, these are my favorite songs or this is my favorite part or whatever. Everyone should like this. And, um, and then there's other parts that stand out to the crowd and you're like, Ooh, I didn't even think about that part. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, especially playing in bars and stuff. I mean, I get that all the time because you can, I mean, I'm usually really good at reading a room, but even then there's going to be surprise factors. And, um, and you'll, I mean, with playing at a bar, you're playing cover songs and stuff. And so like, I'll try a song and be like, oh, they're going to love this one. And then it's like, eh. and then I'll play something that I didn't think of, <laughs> like think anything of. And like, that's the one I'm like, all right, all right, well, we're going with it. And so then you try it with the same crowd next time and they don't react the same. And you're just like, okay, I give up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you just, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's, and I, I guess that's the cool thing about music is, and especially with you, because you're you're a professional and you can play a bunch of different stuff. So you can it, it ebbs and flows until you until you find that line. Like, okay, this is it. This is this is where we're at tonight. You know. Yeah. And it could be but the she, same restaurant, uh, just a week apart, and you're, and the same people. It's just a different vibe. Yeah, but I mean, I think at, at our March eighth show, it, it certainly 
a lot of the parts that I that I that really moved me during rehearsal are exactly the parts that people really went for um, nice. at at the show. Just because it's it's kind of like um, if you see like a really really good film, if I'm the only one that's seen it, yeah, and I know like like The Dark Knight, for instance, like certain scenes with the Joker, like if I'm the only one in that room that's seen it so far. I know these people are going to go nuts at these little parts because I was so taken back from it. Um, and that's certainly there was like three or four moments that night that I was just like, Oh yeah, like they're loving this. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, and, and I was loving it at the exact same time just because it was new to me because I had eight other musicians around me playing it with me live. And that was all, it's like made the songs all brand new again. Was that the most people you've had on stage playing instruments with you? Yeah, I mean, because we've, um, with like day drinkers at the Village Idiot, I think at one point we had like eight people on stage, but like that was like three people singing uh, uh, and everybody playing. But that's definitely the most, the most moving parts as far as instruments go that we've had. And again, yeah, and that's why you have to have direction and you have to have some kind of game plan and an actual like roadmap for all the musicians. Because if you just put nine musicians on stage and said, here's a song, just play along. It would just sound yeah. like mud. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was, uh, I would imagine some thought has to go into and how you arrange them, not the music, but how you physically arrange people. Because even when I was up there, like talking uh, before the show, emceeing the show, like I was nervous. I was going to step on something <laughs> that I shouldn't be. I'm like, well, as long as I stay, this is where Jake's going to stand. I'll stand here. And then uh, this is where he's going to walk through. So I'll just walk through here because there was so much stuff up there. How how much thought goes into that? Because obviously when you're playing music or any instrument, you're there. You're, you're not really moving around. So, but how much thought is like, hey, this is going to be here. And this is going to be here. Like, because I would imagine that affects the sound too. Yeah. I mean, well, when we, um, it was a two-part process. Like first when we were developing the floor plan, I said, we have to keep in mind, there's going to be nine of us. So I was like, we've played on small stages before. And even though that dance floor that we used as our stage that night, uh, even though that's big, I said, it's not big when you put nine musicians yeah. plus their instruments up there. Mm -hmm. So um, so we planned the seating around that to allow enough room. Um, but then uh, the day of rehearsal, um, we got cut on short on time in rehearsal because of how long it took us to set up where we were going to be. Like, you know, the drums almost always should be in the middle yes. towards the back. Um, and the bass needs to be right by the drums because those two are like hand in hand. Um, so, and then other than that, it's like, all right, well, you know, since I was conducting the band and wrote all of it, like, I was going to be more at the forefront so I could turn around and still actually connect and, and kind of coordinate with everybody. But mm -hmm. at that point, it's just like, all right, where can we fit everybody? Where can we fit all the gear? And that was, I think, the biggest challenge is, but we couldn't do that until the day of rehearsal when we just realized just how much stuff we had <laughs> to fit up there. And especially because I said I wanted to use four main speakers rather than two. Most bands will use two main speakers, just a left and a right. And mm -hmm. we instead did a left center, right center, and then a left and a right because okay. I said, we want a really nice, nice sound up there and don't have to overcompensate because people way over here, people way over there don't get the center shot. I'm like, put two speakers going out that way and then two in the center. Then technically you don't have to drive as much volume through them because you just have more balanced sound. Oh, just okay. 
just yeah. like a surround sound kind of thing. So that helps. So it's just, I mean, that's the nerd stuff coming out, but that's the, the science of it, you know, sure. it's, uh, little things like that. And, um, and like our cellist, I had her sit next to me because, um, you know, she, she wasn't on every song and, but more importantly, she's got to be able to hear herself. And if she's sitting right next to the drums, she ain't going to hear anything because yeah. she's not plugged into an amplifier or anything. So, so just all those little things. And so what looked like a really big dance floor that we were going to set up as our stage, as soon as we all put ourselves on it, we're like, and there goes all <laughs> with, with sound too. Um, I know when I listen to, even with podcasts, more times than not, people will notice sound when it's bad. Yes. So, so you talking about the four speaker, like, I don't, I don't pay attention to that because everything sounded really good. So why would I know like, Oh, they use four or they're oriented this way or this or that because everything sounded good. So, so no one's going to pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky. I mean, cause I, I love running sound. That's like half of what I love about music is the actual sound engineering part, but, um, live sound and studio sound are very, very different. Um, but our buddy, Frank may, uh, He's the one that played. He was one of the guitarists, and he yeah. sang back. He he ran all the sound um, because he um, <clears throat> he's really really good at balancing uh, frequencies for live sound. And so he offered to do it, and I said, "Hey, oh nice, you're willing to take that off my hands? Like that's great." <laughs> and especially because he has a uh, he's got a you know every every sound has a mixing board, um, but my mixing board like when we would run you and I together, those comedy nights, like I've got to run the board all the way back to me. So I've yeah. got cables long enough to go up to the stage so I can sit there and mix everything. He's got a nice digital setup so that his mixing board is actually on an iPad. And oh, so nice. Somebody can be sitting across the room with no cables running to it and you can control it all digitally like that. So um, we had our buddy Rick Caswell sitting back in the corner with the iPad in case anything needed adjusted throughout the show. So that's that was awesome. That. Yeah. That was nice. So we technically had two sound guys, one that set it all up and then one that just kind of babysat the soundboard um, just in case anything went awry. But he, he said, I didn't really have to do anything except sit there and drink beer. It was great. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you had the best job then. <laughs> but I said, that's, I mean, ultimately that's what you want from your sound right. guy, right? Not have to touch. Yeah. You can just, like you said, babysit. Um, so what's the plan with the album now? It, it's out. Uh, I have a physical, we have physical copies. Um, I gave one, actually we had two. So I gave one to my parents um and is it going to be streamable like are people going to be able to find us on spotify and any of that kind of stuff so the the reason the album has such a long title is because it's all three titles from the three different eps that i released from july through november uh -huh. um so all the songs are already up there as okay. separate eps i am going to upload a version of it just as the full album itself um okay. to make it easier for people um but um yeah it's you can yeah it's under jake and the venom mind you a lot of my buddies who one of which was even playing in the band was looking for jake paluski and couldn't find the songs i just I said, that's what i just looked at right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I said dude i was like you see all the notes i've sent out say jake and the venom concert i was like and he's like yeah i know i know i know <laughs> so yep. he couldn't find the songs to save his life but um <laughs> well, so neither yeah, could he, i so <laughs> right there you go so yeah it's jake and the venom and yeah. uh so yeah i'll i'll upload a a full album version of it here soon um cool. but in the meantime i mean we're we uh had my buddy todd stanton who played the synthesizer that night he 
and his video company, like between he and I were putting together a um, documentary slash concert of um, the whole experience. So we're hopefully going to have that out in like May or June. Nice. Um, just because now more than ever, I mean, not only was it a cool process and a cool story, but um, so much of what gets people invested in anything anymore is the story and mm-hmm. it's the work, but the work plus the story. And that's why you have, well, that's why you have podcasts. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, you know, people like hearing more of the behind the scenes more now than ever before. Um, thanks to documentaries, reality TV. I mean, all that stuff, like people are more invested if they can hear more about the behind the scenes stuff. So we figured we'd document it and um, put some together with interviews and just talk about not just the album, but just like the, pro- the process of DIY, uh, the process of, you know, putting something together while not on a record label without that support and how you put it out in the world and how you distribute and all that. But also, you know, um, just a, a documentary about community and, and rebuilding during, you know, the last couple of years that were, I mean, <laughs> said gutted like every industry, yeah. you know, so. Well, that, we, that, uh, that's such a, a big movement now. I, I, um, it's just owning your own stuff. Like, yeah. yes, I want to, it'd be nice to, get on this label or that label or maybe you find a smaller label who allows you like yes you use our label but it's all your stuff you right. know because that's i know for me um i mean i'm not popular enough to have these podcast companies be like hey we want your podcast or whatever you know but for me it's still important to if that were ever to happen i want to say cool um but i still want to own my material like this is all my stuff um right. i worked i worked hard for all this um so i i don't want to just like sign with you and it's no more it's not mine anymore um, right. And I and I think a lot of a lot of professionals and production companies and all that stuff are recognizing that too to say like hey the model's changing we have to change too in and how to find talent and get keep talent. Well, especially if I mean the talent has done so much by themselves already, then there's a lot less work for the mm-hmm. like a production company or a record company or any of them that are distribution in general. Like there's so much less legwork they have to do. They don't have to put together a whole team to build this thing around the artist or the individual because they've already built all that so yeah yeah it's so, uh I mean, it, it's it, it's a cool thing it's a good thing it's 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 nice that people just you know that people are aware that artists and and they want their own stuff to keep to keep it theirs so it, it hopefully people are recognizing that and also recognizing the hard work that goes into that like yes i'm putting my own stuff out uh, it's a pain in the ass but in the end it's going to be a lot better for everybody yeah, and I think like the biggest takeaway we got from it, and that's what I try to like teach to a lot of the the younger up and coming like musicians right out of like TSA and stuff that are 18, 19, 20 years old, is that so many of them get so distracted from like um like views on like TikTok and Instagram, which is those are all important tools, obviously, but like so many of them get discouraged because they'll be like, Why aren't my songs having any traction? or why, you know why can't I fill up a room locally here when I go out and play, but I have 2000 followers on this thing. And it was like, and that was the part that was nice for us is that, you know, we filled the room. It was only a hundred people, but it was a hundred people that we could all say we've had conversations with that we have in a connection with. And one of the biggest things that even labels are trying to tell artists now is like, make sure you build a real legitimate, like following where you're from. Um, because that means so much more in the grand scheme of things. It's kind of like when McDonald's became McDonald's, they didn't just open 3000 restaurants and say, here we go. They like, they had an actual core 
restaurant and model that like started getting legs under it and then you build it from there but uh i think people get distracted by the the fame kind of thing um without developing the product first and that's Mm -hmm. what i think sometimes leads to really really short careers because i never even really perfected the craft or even got a good strong like fan base yeah Yeah. um to grow from uh they were just going for likes on social media and it's like that's important but that doesn't actually drive a product you know so yeah so yeah so that's i mean that's you know from here we've got of course i've always got always got plans to grow more and do more things but so i told one of my friends um that came to see us that night march 8th and i told her i was like this is day one because she was like she's like this is such an accomplishment i was like this is just day one i'm like we built this new thing now we gotta build the next thing you know yeah. and uh, and and in the process you know do more shows like this not only um not only are we going to do two more shows um jake and the venom there but like so there's a lot of great artists in this area that would really benefit from that same kind of treatment of having a show like that. Um, because a lot of their music doesn't necessarily fit in a raucous, like rock and roll bar. So, um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, in the process we built this thing, so let's let other people enjoy it too. So. Yeah. And you talked about day one, make sure, and this is something, something I try to do. It's very difficult. Um, uh, a couple of things. I saw this, I saw this thing. It's uh, someone said, "You never, you never reach the bar because you're always raising it, uh, right?" So right. it can be, it can be a good thing. You, you know, you're striving to do better, to do better, but also make sure you take time to celebrate things that are happening or celebrate, like, hey, we like, she said, like that person said, like, hey, this is awesome. This is a milestone. You've been working towards this. Take time to celebrate that. Also, otherwise, it just feels like nothing's ever happening. Like, right. make sure, make sure you're really focusing on that part of it too. Like, keep, keep raising that bar. But when you, before you raise it again, acknowledge that you got to where you wanted to and then go forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like part of, I think part of the celebration is putting together the documentary so we can actually all sit around and go, yeah, this, this is real. This happened. Um, I, I mean, I had a, a, I had a whole day to um, embrace and enjoy everything we did on March 8th. And then I entered into a 12 day long stretch of gigs (laughs) against (laughs) us. Like, well, now I'm too busy to even think about how fun that was, but, um, but it's been fun just talking with people since then. I mean, I, I, I keep thinking it was a month ago at this point and it's been a week and a half yeah. and because I, I got so busy right after that. And it was St. Patty's day week, the week after. And so it's like, Whoa, I'm like, I can't believe that was only a week and a half ago. I feel like it was a month ago already because I just got so busy. So I've run into people that were there that night and they're like, man, that show was so great. And I'm like, why are they still talking about this? Well, yeah. <laughs> That was nine days ago, 10 days ago. So yeah. I was like, so that's super cool. So, yeah, I mean, good. And, and having conversations like this, it makes you go, yeah, yeah, we did something really cool. And that's everybody's reaction has been very positive about it. And they just keep talking about it. And I said, that's great. You know, that's, um, and I think that documentary will help actually put something in stone that lets us go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's appreciate the heck out of this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, are, uh, can people, I know you're doing pre-sale for your other shows. Is that still available for people to, yeah, if anybody wants to get a part, a hold of the pre-sale tickets, because we'll start making the tickets public in about two weeks, I think, um, maybe about a week and a half. Um, but if they're interested, they can just email realjpconcerts at gmail.com. And that's R-E-E-L, like film reel, realjpconcerts 
at gmail.com and they just have to express whether they'd like to attend Tuesday, May 10th or Wednesday, May 11th and express okay. uh, how many tickets they're going to look to get. And then I'll send over the buying information. That Great. Can, can I, I'll, uh, I'll put that email in the show notes too and explain, Hey, if you, if you want to go to the next uh, performance, you know, just email, email Jake. Yeah. And do it sooner than later. Um, just yep. because we've already um, just in pre-sale already, we've already surpassed like 50 or 60 on each night. So, okay. So half, um, half of each night so far. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. Well, that's yeah, awesome. A little more than half on each night. And so, um, and, and we're, I mean, we're shooting for 90 tickets a night. I mean, cause you can fit hundred in there. 96 is comfortable. Um, so if we can get 90 people a night, that's, that's really, we'll be happy with that. And um, cool. we're not going to have any problem with it. Um, it's just that that's why we're expressing to anybody that wants a pre-sale to go ahead and do the pre-sale. Cause there might not be, any tickets when we go public, just like last time, you know, when they sold out. Yeah. Pre-sale, so. Awesome. Well, yeah. Jake, you've, you've been on my podcast solo on the 16th episode, the 61st, and now the 99th. Jeez. So congratulations, uh, by the way, that's, yeah, that's man. quite a, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I kept looking like, cause I had all my March scheduled. So I kept like counting and then like, I added the three dads podcast. So that's on a, on a different thing. So I had to subtract one. And then I added this other thing. I had it. So I had to move stuff around. So I ended up next Wednesday or next Thursday. Uh, it's with Jeff Stewart. So he'll be my hundredth guest. Nice. Um, which it's cool because I've known Jeff since I was a little kid because he was real good friends with my uncle. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like to, I gotta, I, I want to ask him like when he first remembers me because, uh, <laughs> because like I said, I, we, we, he's known my uncle for a long time. So I'm looking forward to it, but uh, in the meantime, uh, check out Jake Paluski on Spotify and Jake and the Venom on Spotify to uh, get any of the music. Obviously, the, the one we talked about today was from Jake and the Venom, so check out those out. Um, thanks again for letting me be a part of it. It was cool. I like doing those kind of things, uh, especially for someone in my family. So it was a, a cool experience. Um, and hopefully, you know, I don't think, like you said, I don't think there'd be an issue of selling those those out so make sure people get their pre-sale if, if they want to get them so hopefully uh, hopefully you don't have to make them public hopefully it all books up so yeah that's that's yeah i think that's why we're gonna wait another week and a half make sure everybody that wants pre-sale gets it and then if we're sold out then we're sold out if not there'll hopefully be a little bit less for the public so cool all right jake well enjoy your sunday thanks for coming on the podcast and, and like i always say thanks for helping me start this thing uh, now i i can pretty much do it by myself and that's because of you uh you helped me out with a few things here and there which is awesome but um that's why your your ad will live on this podcast in per- perpetuity because you helped start it and got it got it going so thank you hey i just i just led you to the water <laughs> so, <laughs> i appreciate you and congrats on everything that you're doing i love it all thanks right for man. thanks everybody for checking out this episode of the nerd ball podcast please rate review and subscribe Wherever you're hearing this, on any of the podcatchers, on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We're kind of coming at you two times a week now, audio and video. Check us out on all the social medias. Just search the Nerdball Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're out there. Uh, Gmail is thenerdballpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email, we'd be happy to get back to you. Thanks to Real JP Multimedia, Cuttlefish Graphics, Perrysburg Junior High STEM Lab, and Big Daddy Graphics for helping out the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.